were already in effect. Most of us, I'm not sure how this congregation did when COVID-19 hit, but, but most congregations had to shut down. We shut down for some of them just a few weeks, and then people started coming back. And uh, it was in that time frame that many of us started trying to find ways that we could still worship together while we were apart. And so people started going online and using Facebook Live and YouTube and all different kind of things like that. Well, the number one thing, the first thing that we do in every country is we find some type of mass evangelism program. So all those things were already in existence in all the countries that we work in. Not necessarily at the local level like, like uh, we did and like I'm sure that y'all did when COVID-19 hit, but we do have programs that reach nations. And so uh, those programs were already going. Those things were already happening. So, so some of the numbers went down on that, but some of the numbers doubled on them. Like India, for instance, we're getting twice the, the number of responses to every television program that we do. That's great. And we already have literature printed up, so, so all we have to do from that is double the literature that goes out to, to these uh, responses. So we're excited about that. And uh, like, like I said, it changes in, in country to country, and I'll show you that in a minute. The next thing that we do is we follow up, and this is a thing that has been uh, hampered for, for some part. Now, we do follow up with literature, but eventually you have to get there. You've got to get somebody there um, in the neighborhood uh, studying with people face-to-face. And this is the part that's really been shut down, but we're just making do. Uh, some people are, are still doing campaigns all over their countries. Uh, Vietnam is still going. Uh, parts of the Philippines are still going. Uh, uh, parts of Burma are still going like nothing's ever happened. And then other places are completely shut down. Uh, but, the, but normally what we do is we have follow-up campaigns going all over the places in these countries, holding gospel meetings and, and uh, personal Bible studies and large group Bible studies. And then the next thing that, that we do is we have Bible schools. We, we'll, we'll bring people in to certain locations to train them. These new converts are then trained. And some of our schools are operating right now. And then some of the schools are, are operating online. And some of them are just completely shut down because they don't, uh, they're unable to do things online. Uh, so we're just making do like everybody's doing, just trying to get by, doing the best that we can. But we're still getting good numbers on a lot of these things. Uh, these are all the, the mass evangelism programs that we have everywhere. You see one of those red dots is where we have a radio or TV program. But that's, that's a, our base of operation for every one of them. And uh, each country has smaller places within where, where uh, follow-up is uh, taking place. These are our works in Asia, and this is the, the main thing that we do. These are the main places that we work out of, and I'll go through those uh, and do the best that I can, uh, kind of explaining how things go in each of these countries. The first one that I want to talk about is Burma, or Myanmar. I'll go back and forth on what I call that, but the, when we first started, the, you see those two pins at the bottom? We, we had one pin right there in the capital city of Yangon. There were two families uh, that we knew of that were that were Christian families in that country when we first came there in the late 90s. And uh, we asked if we could have a group come together uh, and study with them, and they invited a few friends, and they invited a man named Joe Sane. Joe Sane uh, had been in the Christian church. We converted him. He had been a teacher at the college level and had taught students all over that country. And so he started connecting us with all of his contacts with people from all over that country. And pretty soon we have this right here. All those red dots are our bases of operation, not where we have congregations. If we put congregations on there, it would have red all over that thing. And so this is where our bases of operation are. This is where we have training centers and schools where we work out of. And so that's a success story right there. It's been 20 years, a little over 20 years that we've been working there. And so we have hundreds of small house churches. And now, as, as they're a free country, they are building buildings. And uh, they're, they're developing and uh, going out from, from those places. But our main place that we uh, study from or train from is the Myanmar Bible College. We'll train about 100 students a year from this location near Yangon. We train men and women 
and that goes for most all of our country, our schools and all the countries that we work in. Anyone that wants to study the Bible, we will train them. It's not a preacher training school, it's a, it's a Bible school. So everyone can learn, and then they all go home and uh, just do great things. We'll even have children's classes in, in some schools. Uh, baptisms do occur at the school, although most of the people that come to our schools are already Christians. The baptisms take place out in the field. When we've trained them, they go out and then they teach people and baptize them. But sometimes we'll have a new student that comes in and, and usually after five weeks of study, they're, they are baptized. We work with people all over the world. Girl in the front, Eliza Matthews, she is from uh, South India. And then we've got other, other uh, workers. You can see Daddy, a couple people back there. And then we've got other people from Texas that are coming in. So we have co-workers all over the United States, and then we're working with people from other countries in Asia as well. Uh, we're, we're doing Bear Valley Bible Institute classes uh, because a lot of the students or the, the directors uh, of different works will bring their students in, and we've been doing these classes for 20 years. Well, it's a two-year program, so some of those guys have been through these classes uh, 10 times. You know, <laughs> they've been through it over and over and we thought we need to try to get them a, le a legitimate degree, something that they could take home and it act actually uh, means something more. So, so we uh, teamed up with Bear Valley Bible Institute, and so the, the teachers that come in have to have certain qualifications uh, so, that, so that when they get done with this, they actually have a degree. So they're excited about that. It's getting them a higher level of education. They're learning the Bible better and that helps them as they go out in, in their works. So we're really excited that we're able to do this. And th these are some of the classes right there. We use PowerPoint when they have electricity there. A lot of campaign groups go out from there once, once they learn this. It's really exciting uh, watching people write this stuff down. You're, you're telling them stuff they've never heard it. They're just all writing it down. And then right when they leave, they go on campaigns. And they go out and they teach what they have just learned. And uh, they will go on all these campaigns, and then a couple of months later, we'll already be back home. We'll start getting emails from them or Facebook messages from them telling us where all they went and the success that they had and the people that they baptized and the churches that they planted. So sometimes you get to see that direct result of, of what just happened. So it's real exciting. We're getting in the central parts of the country. Now, we weren't able to go into this part of the country up until 2015, but we have had work there. Uh, but now that they are a, a, quote, democracy, they did have an election there, but the election was, it took place like this. A person would show up at your door. They would take your picture and say, okay, what's your name and who are you voting for? So, <laughs> so it was real, real scary. Uh, it almost feels like uh, if it would be similar to that now as this crazy election. I, I shouldn't even say, never mind. It's not even, I'm not going to mention politics at all in America. Anyway, uh, now that they're, they are a free nation, it has allowed us to go visit the places where we, we've been training workers that have been going into these areas, but now we are able to see uh, that growth uh, with our own eyes. So these are pictures of those, those areas in the central part of that country. Kids everywhere, kids speak that international language. We can't understand each other, but we can all laugh and uh, this is a, a real neat country, like most of the places that we're going to, agricultural. You can see farmers, and, and uh, they, they farm using uh, cattle. But you can see right behind there, what, can you all see what that is? Uh, the Skynet dish right behind. So, so it's, a, it's a mix of these two cultures. A real interesting, neat thing about what's happening with COVID-19 is we are having Zoom Bible studies uh, with... Uh, groups of people all over Burma. We've been doing uh, Bible studies with people all over uh, Nepal as well. So Zoom has been a blessing, the way that we've been able to still connect with people, but, but we're praying that we're able to get back over there pretty soon. Uh, and maybe after this election, I will say one more political thing. <laughs> maybe after the election, we'll get a little better ideas of what's actually going on with this thing. It's kind of hard to tell. Do you all agree with me when I say that? It's all wrapped up in politics, and so it, it's real hard to tell what's really going on right now. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, lots of campaigns in the northern parts of the country, campaigns in the south. We got into the south because of a uh, cyclone or a hurricane that happened over 10 years ago. Uh, lots of baptisms. The guy on the left that's baptizing her, his name is Philip. He's the director of the Myanmar Bible College. The Clay Bible College in northwest Burma, this school is fully operational right now. One of the few ones in Burma that's, that's able to go on, and it's because they're so far away. They're up near the mountains, and uh, as you all know, when you get further out in the country, things get a little more lax. And so they're able to, to do a little bit more. This is Brother Tin Lin standing there next to Daddy. He's the director of the school. Y'all have probably heard some stories about this man. Just an amazing evangelist. Talked to him this morning, uh, right when I got up this morning. I was talking to him, and uh, he, he was Facebook messaging me. So he's, he's doing a really good job, and he said they're having two worship services on Sunday, kind of splitting it up. I thought I saw a sign where y'all are doing the same thing too. Yeah, a lot of people are just doing what they can uh, to be able to get groups of people together. That that particular congregation has about 100 people there. Uh, when he started there, there was one, he was the only Christian, and after three years he finally converted his wife. Now there are 19 congregations in his hometown and hundreds of congregations throughout those mountains, and he trains people from this school. They go out and they plant more congregations. So the, this is the school right here, new construction. Uh, during this COVID-19, they used that time to to build this building right here. Uh, it's where they, they feed people. They'll have large, large gatherings uh, where hundreds of people will come in, and they'll feed all of them while, while they're there during these seminars. The Usana Bible College, this one is real exciting for me. This is a new building right here. They're going to add two floors onto that. Uh, that is the school building, and they also live in that building as well. But this is near Yangon in, in Burma, but people come from China. They cross the border. Many of them have dual citizenship, and I'll tell you some stories about them at the end. But they come there, and they study, and then they go back into northern Burma and then across the border into China. We're training 11 men right now who are dedicated to working in China, and they usually make two to three trips a year uh, in, in China. And those campaigns sometimes last three months long. So they're spending about half the year in China, and they're just doing a phenomenal job. Now, that, that work has been halted uh, since uh, March, and I'll tell you about that in just a little bit. Uh, but the guy on the left, his name is Jayati. He's the director. He's translating material. And he's using this time right now to get ahead on uh, uh, doing more literature. He does The Voice of Truth, the books that I, I was handing. I can't remember who I handed the book to. And I said, well, oh, we've got those. Every time a new Voice of Truth comes out, we've got one. Well, they take The Voice of Truth, and they started with uh, issue number one, and they're translating it into the Lisu language, which is used in China. And so they're going through every one of those things. And, and that material goes ahead of them. It goes all over the place. They get invites from different people all over China. They have 360 groups uh, all over the Yunnan province of China that have invited them to come speak. And so they're just constantly trying, trying to, to get to those different groups. And those 11 men are working on that, trying to get out to all those groups. And they'll study with them, and then they'll baptize them. And then there'll be a new congregation planted there. And then they'll go on to the next one. Here's some more literature right here. Uh, this is the area that they go up into in northeastern Burma. So here they are passing out literature, uh, different places, lots of different opportunities there. They have so many opportunities. And then this is the city that they base themselves out of, Magina. It's in northern Burma. And then they cross over into this area of China. They get all the way up into Tibet into northern Vietnam and Laos and in a couple of the other uh, provinces near there. Just to give you an idea of where we are, that's Wuhan right there where the virus uh, uh, was said to have come from. And uh, so they're in a dangerous area and our work in China has halted right now uh, as far as members of the church going back and forth on campaigns. But we have a lot of, lot of members that live in China now as they've converted a lot of people. 
And so uh, the work is still going on. There's just nobody going back and forth on campaigns. Uh, but this is the work in China right here. And we were able to make about five trips over five years ago. Uh, five years ago was the last time that we were able to go into China. Uh, it's dangerous for us to go, but it's completely legal for them. If they are a Chinese citizen, it's legal for them. Here's the literature uh, that's been printed up in their language. Uh, Vietnam campaign's going on right now as we speak. Uh, we've got two two men who are riding. His, actual, his name is actually Min, uh, and he is riding on his motorcycle right now, uh, going all the way up from the south all the way up to the north as we've planted congregations in, in uh, near Hanoi. Uh, this is one of the Bible study centers right here. Uh, Brother Min is in that picture. It's kind of hard to see which one he is. But lots of baptisms, lots of growth. Even through all this, uh, the church is still growing there. Uh, we're also working in Nepal. I do regular uh, Zoom meetings with a group in Nepal. Once a month, we have a training center uh, that's meeting through Zoom right now, and that's been really exciting. This is where the Himalaya Mountains are, so everything's up in the mountains. It's a Hindu society. Uh, Hindu and Buddhist, but most people there are Hindus, which means they believe in all different kind of gods. That's an idol up in the side of that building right there. And uh, we have a Bible study center that we were able to start up. And it, it started up because of the earthquake in 2015. I don't know if y'all remember that. It was on the news, but it wasn't on there for a real long time. But we had a group from the Philippines that, that was able to get in there. And we sent a lot of money through them. And uh, the result of that was a Bible study center, and we're continuing that today. There's some power lines right there, this normal site in Asia. And this is just the view from the top of the hotel in, in uh, Kathmandu. This is the Bible study center right here. And uh, these people, all the people in this picture have come from all over Nepal. And they all come in and they study once a month, and then they go back home. Right now, we're doing that through Zoom and what they did is normally they pay people, uh, they, they give them some travel money to come in and then they'll feed them and then we study for a few days and then they go home. Well, they just bought them data plans on their phone to make sure that they have enough data so that they can do these Zoom meetings. And so they're doing what they can so that we can still have these classes. And the classes have been very successful. And every time we do a class, there's just a few more people uh, studied I can't remember what night it was. Two or three nights ago, I uh, just did one, and uh, we were studying with over 80 people. And you're looking into their homes, and they are up in the middle of the Himalaya Mountains, out in the middle of nowhere, and they have better cell phone service than we have uh, in Cloverdale, Alabama. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. That's another thing. We're getting ripped off on our cell phone service. I want you all to know that. It's a lot cheaper than what they're selling it to us. But anyway, uh, they do have that service, and it is allowing us to stay connected and train them and teach them, and they're going out into other places. There's several baptisms every month from this work. Uh, we do have a radio program, or I, I, let me rephrase, I, don't want, I would be lying to you. They were, already had a radio program that was already going on there, and other congregations uh, was paying for that. But we are helping them out so that they can do follow-up with that and plant new congregations as people respond to that. So we're kind of working a uh, tag team on that one. And as you find out when you get involved in this work, there's a lot of partnerships like that. Uh, these are pictures from their campaigns. Uh, we're also working with Mike Brooks, who's been working over there for a long time. I don't know if you all are familiar with him, but he started working there. I believe it was in the 80s when he started in Nepal. Here's some literature that's been translated. That's also the Voice of Truth magazine. Also working in the Philippines. We have a lot of different things going on there. And uh, there's a, is it a cyclone or typhoon that, that's heading toward the Philippines right now. I don't think it's hit yet, but I saw that they were talking about that the other day. They get hit all the time. There's just always something going on, and every time... There's one of those natural disasters. Our team responds to that, and people are converted and churches are planted. And so we, we're able to get into these uh, new places like that. But we work out of the central part of the country. You can see 
the big island of Luzon, and then the, the Visayas are in the middle, and Mindanao is at the bottom. So we're really focusing on the middle part, because when we started this work, there wasn't, wasn't much work going on there, and that's why we chose to work there. Now, there are a lot of churches there now, um, and, and all those uh, pens right there where we have bases of operation. So we're, we're growing in our work there. But we used to just work out of Cebu City, but it's grown to we're working in several areas. Uh, it was based off of this man right here, Brother Reuben Imperato. He's trained hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of workers through the school, the Philippine Institute of Biblical Studies. And, um, and from there, these workers are getting new works and starting, starting new things. Man on the right is also a big player uh, in, in our work, Brother June Arcia, the guy just next to him is uh, Reuben Imperato's son, the guy with the sunglasses. His name is Neil Imperato. He went to Heritage, got his degree, and is back over there doing a good job. And he really operates the Philippine Institute of Biblical Studies with Reuben, and he works with the Bear Valley Bible Institute as we're doing the same thing that we did in Burma, giving them degrees. Lots of baptisms, lots of responses. Too, this work is too big for me to go through all of it. Uh, they're doing a lot of relief work. And I want to say this, there's a lot of groups right now in every one of these countries, since they're unable to campaign and they're using some of that money to help out with people who don't have jobs and are, are unable to go out, because they're, they're getting these extreme lockdowns in some of these countries and they're just stuck in their house and they have no way to go out and work. They don't have any way to, to make any money. They can't do anything. And so there are a lot of people all over this world that are really, really hurting from this. Uh, they're not given that, that option uh, to take the risk to go out. We take a risk. We say, you know what, I know this thing is dangerous, but we have to work, right? And some of these people don't have that option. They don't, they don't live in free societies like we do. Uh, and, and they're forced to stay in their houses. And so um, there's a lot of people that need help through this. So each of these countries were doing a little bit different, but some of the money uh, that was normally used for campaigns is used to, to buy rice, basically. Uh, more work in northern Philippines. June Arcia directs this part of the work. Lots of new congregations are being planted there. Eastern Philippines, uh, on the island of Samar, Brother Edwin Enso, uh, he's just been going like nothing ever happened over there. They didn't, they didn't get a COVID-19 case until just a couple of months ago. And so th he's been completely unhindered from, from this pandemic because they're on an island. They're just away from everybody else. And uh, this, this was during the pandemic as well. He sent us a picture of this. He's studying with a group of soldiers. So many opportunities uh, and they just walk through these doors. Things open up for them and they go. And, and that's, that's what we do. That's what they do. And uh, we're working side by side. A volcano relief near Manila. It's a lot of relief works. A lot of things are always uh, going wrong in that country. And we're answering those needs when they arise. We also have work in India and in North India out of New Delhi and then out of Bangalore in the south. Uh, this is in New Delhi. A lot of Hindus, over a billion Hindus in that country. Think about that for a minute. Over a billion Hindus. And uh, there's a lot of Muslims in the north, north part. This is at a mosque right here. There's uh, Vinay David. He's standing by the TV where he is on TV. And that goes all over North India. And uh, this, this show... Um, I so said they get 20 new responses a week from this, or they had been getting 20 responses. Now they're getting 40 responses a week. Well, think about that. Uh, let, let's say you got 40 new people to study the Bible with that next week. That's great. What an opportunity. Well, the week after that, you got 80 people to study with. So that number just piles up really quick. And uh, he's studying with them by sending them literature, and they fill out stuff, and then they go back to him. Eventually... Eventually, he will be meeting these people face to face. So once this pandemic is over, he's going to have a lot of people to follow up on. And so he'll be doing a lot of campaigning as soon as he's allowed to. But uh, they're not able to, to leave their houses right now. They're locked down right now. Uh, lots of baptisms there as well. A lot of baptisms in the south because of this man right here, P.R. Swami. That's his wife, Saroja. Uh, they've been working there for many years. 
Uh, PR Swami has also helped us in the northern parts of Sri Lanka. So we've had a lot of new congregations up there. And we also have work in the south out of Colombo. This is the church in Colombo right here. Uh, East Malaysia, lots of uh, good things happening there. And uh, here's one of the new congregations. I say new. These congregations about are, are over 10 years old at this point. But uh, anyway, uh, these congregations are successful. That one in particular was over 10 years old. Also doing work in Latin America. My brother Jeremy does that, directs that part of the work. But we do go down and help. And uh, we help financially as well. But thank you so much. We could not do what we do without your help. Um, Mom and Daddy wish that they could be here to say thank you. They couldn't do what they do. Uh, but we're working side by side, uh, making sure that this work continues to go. And we could not do it without your help. Um, we're going to show a video. And after that video, then I'll tell you a couple of stories. And I've been told there's no invitation tonight, so I'll just tell you a few stories and then you can go home. <laughs> thank you.
अंदर आता रहो ना चंपल लेने अंदर आता रहो I get a little bit emotional, so forgive me. Uh, it takes me just a second to, to get over it. I made that video. I took all those pictures. I was there with them. And still, every time I see it, it just gets me. And um, a lot of it has to do with the kids. You see all these just wonderful, smiling, fun kids, and, and they're great. And uh, the, the ones at the end there, those kids are... are are children of members of the church, and they're growing up in the church. If you'll think back just a little bit earlier in the video, y'all saw that Muslim ritual bath where all those kids are out there and they're, they're washing their feet and all that. Those are good kids too. They are good kids too, and they have no idea that they're being taught a lie. They have no idea uh, what the truth is. They, ha they just have no idea. And uh, it actually, if you really start letting that sink in, that hurts. It hurts real bad. And uh, that's why we do what we do. That's why we go there. That's why, why 
we make those trips. That's why we train people. That's why we're doing the best thing that we can do or the best job that we can do to get out there and get the gospel out there, to give people a, a chance to answer yes or no. Many people on this earth have never been given that chance. They've never been told the story of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we do that. I want y'all to think about your lives for a few minutes here at the end. I know we're not going to offer an invitation, but that doesn't mean that you can't reflect on your life and think about where you are and where you stand with the Almighty God. Uh, We should do that every day. We should wake up every morning and and think about who we are and who God is. And and to help help illustrate that or to help you you think about that, I just want you to think about a couple of things that have happened in the last year uh, when working in Burma, uh, working in in Burma with the China group. Uh, we've been working with a guy named Jay Otte. I showed you his picture. He's the guy at the end that was, was holding those books. Uh, Jay Otte's been working with us for, for many years, been making several uh, trips a year. And every year I kept seeing his report. He would, he would me, email me his report telling me all the places that he went and, and, and all the people he studied with and how many people that were baptized and the, the details of it. And he would go with different people, and sometimes he would go with Luke, and sometimes he would go with Isaac. Uh, but this guy's name kept popping up in every report. His name was Bonaba. Now, this was before I'd ever been up into northern Burma. We hadn't been allowed to go up there yet. Um, but I kept seeing this guy, Bonaba. Bonaba went with me here. Bonaba went with me there. And years go by where Bonaba is in every report, and I say, man, I want to meet this guy. I've never even met this man. And he is sneaking across the border, uh, going, on, going on these uh, campaigns, and uh, I'd, I'd like to meet him. He's, he's a, a true servant of God, and uh, Jay Ati had converted him several years back. And uh, finally, we're able to, uh, to go up to Burma, uh, up to northern Burma, and have a uh, a uh, Bible study with a group up there, uh, an official uh, school meeting there, and uh, I was able to meet Bonaba. Bonaba came to the school, and uh, he was this really, really nice, smiling man. Just a big old smile on his face. I met his wife. She has a big old smile on her face. They've got four kids. They smile. They ride on little scooters. He's on a scooter. She's on a scooter. The kids are on there, and they just smile everywhere they go. And they're just happy people. And I know why they're happy people, because they have the Lord Jesus Christ in their heart. They are just truly happy people and understand the blessing that they have. And uh, Bonaba is just great. He's a, he's a wonderful guy. Uh, one of those last pictures in, in the slide, you can see there was a, it was a picture of Bonaba. I should have put a picture of Bonaba up here for you to see him. Uh, because you don't know which guy it is that I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, Bonaba has lost a lot of weight. He's really, really skinny, and I'll tell you a little bit about how that happened. Uh, it was last year. Uh, Bonaba is a farmer. He planted his, his crops. Uh, he, he, they got to a certain height, and then he was sprayed all this type, some type of new pesticide all over his crops, and then he was going to go on a campaign. And he was going to go on a three-month campaign. So he sprayed all of his crops down with this new pesticide, and then he goes on on his campaign. He gets a couple of weeks into it. Uh, He's over in China. He he is legally in China because uh, he is is a dual citizen. And uh, so he's crossed over into China. He's gone on this campaign. He's had several Bible studies. He's planted a congregation He's um, met with leaders of another group and just doing a really good job when all of a sudden he gets sick and he gets bad sick and he has no idea what is wrong with him. He can't tell what is going on. Uh, And so he has to check himself into a hospital. And at this point, he's in between towns. Uh, There's no Christians there that he knows of. And so he's just on his own. He's alone on this campaign and uh, he's sick and he's in a hospital and he's spending all of his money on that hospital bill. Days go by, weeks go by. Uh, he's not getting any better. They finally find out that, that he was having some type of reaction to the chemicals that he had put all over his crops. 
and uh, that makes me nervous. It still makes me nervous. I don't know the long-term effects, uh, effects of that. Uh, so please pray for him. But anyway, he's, he's in the hospital, and he's spending all his money, and so he starts making phone calls trying to find somebody uh, to come help him, and uh, he can't get anybody. Uh, they, they're all back at home in, in Burma, and he's in China, and uh, he, he can't get in touch with anybody. When finally he's getting near the end of his rope and getting near the end of his funds, when he gets a knock on the door, and in comes some members, some new members of the congregation that he had just planted in the town before. They found out where he was. They found out that he was sick, and they came in, and they started paying his hospital bill. That reminds me of some of the things that happened with Paul. Are y'all aware that when Paul would go somewhere and he was trying to get on to the next town, do y'all know how he got to the next town? They paid for it. The Christians and the new, new towns and the new congregations that Paul would plant, they would pay for his expenses to go to the next place. And, and they were using their funds to send Paul along their way. This new church... These new members of the church took care of him and paid his bill. They bought him some food so, cause, so he didn't have to eat the hospital food the, the whole time. And then when he finally got well, they paid for his transportation to get back home. They helped him get back home. I don't know what would have happened to Bonaba if it hadn't been for them, if they hadn't have come in there and, and, and got him through this, this tough time. Now, now, while Bonaba is still in there, while he's still in, in uh, the hospital, he's concerned about the rest of his trip. Remember, he was taking a three-month trip, and he's just a few weeks into this, and uh, he's got appointments lined up. He's going to meet with this church that he planted last year and this one that was planted a few years ago. He's going to meet with this group of denominational leaders to have a Bible study with them. He's going to meet with this group. He's got all these appointments lined up for the next uh, two and a half months after that, and he can't go because he's stuck in a hospital bed. So he's making phone calls. And it's about the same time that the Christians uh, came and helped him out that he got in touch with his friend back home named Titus. Now, Titus is not a dual citizen. He is a Burmese citizen. He does not have Chinese citizenship. But he said, I will complete your campaign for you. Well, he does what anybody else does that goes into China. They go to the border. They get a visa. They look at his passport. They say, this is who you are. Okay, you have a, a two-week visa. And they stamped it, and he went on his way. Now, they gave him a two-week visa, but do you all remember how much time uh, Bonoma had left on his campaign? At this point, he's got about two months left on his campaign when he finally gets, gets over there. And he stays the whole two months. He completes every one of the places uh, that Bonobo was supposed to go to. He does all the visits. He teaches people. He baptizes people. He plants a new congregation. He comes back to the Burma-China border. He comes back into Burma. He's standing there at immigration, and they take his passport out, and they say, Where have you been? Where have you been for the last month and a half? You were supposed to be back here a month and a half ago. Your visa was only for two months. At this point... Titus starts thinking, okay, I cannot tell them where I've been. Y'all know what he was doing. He was preaching the gospel. It's okay, it's completely legal for a Chinese citizen to preach the gospel, but he's a Burmese citizen, so he's breaking the law. It'd be the same punishment that I would get if I was doing that. He's breaking the law. And not only that, if they find out who he studied with, they could kill them. They could kill them. And he starts thinking, I've got pictures on my phone, he's got his phone in his pocket and he's got pictures of every one of the people that he studied with. And believe me, I don't know if I've told y'all this story about how they caught on to us when I was over there. They looked at pictures. They saw pictures and they know each and every person. And you think, what government would take the time to find each little bitty you know, person that's involved in something like that? I don't know why, exactly why they do it, but they do. They do, and they care, and they want it stopped. They want it stopped. And so he's thinking, I've got pictures of every one of these people on my phone. So he walks around to the side of the police van, and he leans over like he's sick, and he takes his phone out of his pocket, and he throws it off into the jungle. 
praying that they don't see him and that nobody goes over there and finds that phone. He walks back around the corner, they put handcuffs on him, and they put him in jail. He's in jail for a couple of weeks. About that time is when I show up to Burma. I show up to Burma to teach in Yangon. Jayati is there. Bonaba is down there. He looks very sickly. I'm finding out the story of what's happened to him. And they say, but the problem is Titus is still in jail. Titus is still in jail. Well, all the rest of the, the group is down there in Yangon, and we're having classes. A couple of days later, Titus shows up. He had gotten out of jail. He served his time. It was a, a light sentence because it was just because he had crossed the border. They didn't know about the, the church work that he had been doing. So, so I want you to think about what Titus has done right here. He's, he's crossed the border. He overstayed his visa. He, he illegally taught people the Bible. He illegally baptized people. He did all these things and he comes back home. Uh, and to the risk of all of it, he throws his phone away so nobody sees it. He goes in jail for a couple of weeks, and what does he do the day he gets out of jail? He gets on a bus and rides down to Yangon for a Bible study at this Bible study center that we have so that when we get done with this, he can go back up and get back to work. Story doesn't end. We finish our classes. They learn. They write this stuff down. They've been taught. They go back, and then Bonaba immediately goes back over. He's sick. He's thin, he's, he's, he's weak looking, but he crosses back over that border and he goes on another campaign. By this time, it's 2020 at this point. We're into this year, the coronavirus is starting to spread, people are hearing about it, and all of a sudden they close the border. He's stuck in China. Uh, we, get, we get messaged through Jayati because Bonobo doesn't speak English, so he has to go through a translator and he says he's in a quarantine camp on at the border, at the Burma-China border, and they will not let him out. He's stuck there, and he, and he cannot get out. At this point in the game, we have no idea what China is going to do about this. We, we're all learning. Y'all remember what it was like in, in, in March when we're just learning about this thing. So, so we're, we're terrified. We've heard about how China deals with pandemics, how, how China deals with quarantine camps. You know how China traditionally has dealt with a quarantine camp where they know of people that have a sickness. You know how they deal with them? They just kill all of them. Now, at this point, we didn't know China's intentions. I think probably China's intention was for everybody to have it. Um, that's just my personal opinion on that. But it doesn't, doesn't matter what I think about that. But at that point in time, we had no idea. We thought maybe they, they would kill him. And so we sent messages to Jayati that said, please tell Bonama to get home. Do whatever he can do to get home. So weeks go by, and we're all over here praying for him, praying that he can get back home. He's stuck in China. He's in a quarantine camp. Uh, he could be dead already. We just have no idea. And then we finally get an email that says, Bonaba arrived home safely. He took the jungle path. Y'all know what that means? He illegally crossed the border through the jungle. Now, I want you to think about one other thing about this, about the, the risk that he's taken by doing this. Where does the Chinese government think that Bonaba is right now? What does his passport say? What was the last stamp in his passport? They think he's still in China. And y'all know what he's going to do as soon as this thing is over with? He's going to go back to China and go on another campaign. How is he going to get back to China? The passport book says that he's still in China. So you know how he's going to get back to China? He's going to take the jungle path again. Why is he going to do that? He's not doing that for his own salvation. Are you all aware of that? It's not for his salvation. It is for the salvation of others. He has a gift. He has the good news. And he has to tell the people of China. He sees those faces, like the faces that we see in those videos, of those kids who will be lost if no one goes over and teaches them, and no one goes over and teaches their parents. No one tells them the good news of Jesus Christ. And so it is worth the risk, not for his own salvation. He's already washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, but he will risk everything for the salvation of others. 
I hope that this helps you tonight. I hope that as we reflect on this, we realize maybe each and every one of us could step up just a little bit more and step out in faith just a little bit further and trust that the Almighty God will take care of us. Um, And I know that He will. I know that He will. Thank you all so much for your time. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And thank you so much for helping us all these years and for your continued support. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brother Joey. Aren't you glad you were here tonight? Aren't you glad the Boonville congregation is involved in this great work? If uh, you'll bow with me, we will have a closing prayer, and then parents can go get their children. And as Brother Ken says, about 15 or 20 seconds later, the rest of us will be dismissed. Our loving Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we're so thankful for this work of world evangelism. We pray your greatest blessings to be with them and and your greatest protection to be with those who are risking their lives to share the gospel. We ask your blessings on the Barrier family for their health, for their success. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.